Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. The Sunbury Motors guarantee carries so much weight when it comes to pre-owned inventory. It makes you feel so much better about the entire process. And it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. He hits, he pitches, and now he runs. Rodriguez taking time. Look over at first. Delivers. Uh, swing and a miss and breaking for a second and getting there in time. And then breaking for the plate is Otani. And he's safe. And the Angels just execute a double steal. Angels have been running like crazy the last two innings. That was a delayed double steal right there. The Angels manufacture a run and have a 6 2 lead. Terry Smith with the call on the Angels uh, Radio Network. Shohei Otani stealing home with a double steal. How about that? It was a great play, but and I haven't ripped Gary Sanchez much lately, so I get credit for that, right? But why oh, yeah, sure, did yeah, he double whatever. clutch? If he if he doesn't double clutch, they get Otani at home. I don't know why he hesitated to throw the ball to second base. That's supposed that's supposed to be the best asset of his defensive game. And he hesitated, still threw to second when he had no play at all, and they could and if he just looked at Otani, it's always the rule is always check go one. If he looked at Otani, they would have gone him in a pickle. He had no shot at second base. So, just saying. Sound rather bitter. Uh now in terms of the ability to watch the Yankees. Little League World Series, 11- and 12-year-olds, far more popular with the public. The Little League World Series championship game, Michigan's victory over Ohio 5-2, 2.77 million viewers. Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball against Oakland, 1.34. Well, I also must say this, too. That broadcast was pretty bad Sunday night. It, it, it was god-awful. A-Rod made absolutely no sense. And then... He speaks highly of you. <laughs> I've actually interviewed him one time when I, when I, when I as an in, was an intern for our local TV station in the Poconos, when he rehabbed with the Rail Riders. Right. With the tail end of his career. But anyway. Then ESPN doesn't show a replay of what happened at home plate at all, like a slow-mo. So I couldn't tell if that was a correct call or not. I, I just thought the whole broadcast was a disaster. And it's been kind of an up-and-down year for Sunday Night Baseball. It's the Yankees. 
less popular than Little League. Well, good for Little League. That's great. And truthfully, it should it should be higher rated. It's an exciting event every year, and it's the first time it's been back in two years. Yankees. Not popular. Well, the other thing with ESPN is, and you know this, we talk about this with the NBA. Now, I don't mind because I'm a Yankee fan, and I don't get to see them on TV that often. But they're on a lot all the time. So... It's just like ESPN showing the Lakers and the Nets and the Celtics a thousand times a season. A thousand times a season, you're not you're probably not going to get a high amount of viewers every time you watch. Every time you broadcast it. Little League. Yankees. By uh, almost two to two and a half to one margin, they'd rather watch Little League than the Yankees. <laughs> hmm. Wow. That's not impressive. Oh, my almighty! What team do you follow? The Yankees. More people enjoy Little League. <laughs> I watched both. I didn't see either. So I was driving back on Sunday. So right, of course. So I didn't get a chance to watch anything. Um, and by the way, they also beat them out in the uh, critical eighteen to forty nine demo. Ah, just, it's just not a good time to be a Yankee fan. Just not. It's not a good time. Ah, I don't wonder. You know, not good. And they tried to outspend everybody to to act like they're good, but. It's not happening. You know how much money the Little League kid spent? Nothing. Got more viewers. I have to correct myself. The replay was not at home plate. It was at third base. Where the runner was clearly out, but they called it. It was a whole big debacle. Well, part of it, part of it is, to be honest with you. By the umpires. Camera, it's camera angle. Uh, there was that play the Yankees, they were playing Atlanta, and Freddie Freeman tried to score from first. I think common sense tells you that he is absolutely safe at home plate. But, unfortunately, the single best angle is the umpire, who, by the way, is properly positioned, but is in the way of the camera. And it's the best angle. And you could just tell. You can't overturn it because you just it's not – completely clear enough, but you can tell Freeman beat it. Um, and so you end up with the wrong call, but you can't overturn it because you don't have the angle. That happens. That happens. Um, it's one of the biggest problems with replay. The biggest problems with replay is getting the right angle. And you know, everybody, of course, um, looks at replays. The you know, again, I'm still a big proponent of you go in and you put the extra umpire upstairs with a 
with a technician and that person's there. That way they get a better feel for what's going on with again what they're looking for. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I feel the same way, by the way, about uh, um, yeah, I, I just I, to me that's just you know, the best way to do it. Agreed. I don't like I don't like the centralization of it. Uh, to be honest with you, hey, let's go to New York. You know, who knows what the heck the else they're doing in New York at the time? You know, sometimes I swear, like we'll get around to you. It's like being in the in the checkout line. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to you in a second. Let me check out the, you know this person first. Sorry, we need to check out the Twins A's game. We'll get to you in a second. Really? Sometimes I swear that that is like part of the wait is waiting around for them to get to you. I don't know. Now that's how I look at it. But that's. Hmm. Well, big week, big opener. So the suit has to do a game on Friday night, and then he's got to go to New Haven? That is correct. Wow. And then next week he gets to do a game Friday night and go down to Villanova. Yeah, okay. It's not a, that's not a far trip. Yeah, that's not a far trip at all. Yeah, that's not too bad. No, no, no. But we'll hear the whining about it for days. <laughs> I mean, that's it's it's just it's all wrong. You know that it's all wrong. It's all wrong. You know that. You're going to hear about it for days. All the sacrifices I make for this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, probably. Gotcha. Good for you. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We understand. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's what we're going to hear. You know that's going to happen, right? Yes. Repeatedly. We're going to hear about it over and over again. Probably. Meanwhile, meanwhile Doug's going to carry the ball like 98% of the time anyway. No complaints. Can't wait to be there. <laughs> All the work I do. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. So the Yankees... Uh, the Padres last night. Um, the um, Padres last night, Blake Snell had seven no-hit innings last night. They took him out. Now, why? Um, uh, and... He threw 107 pitches last night. And he had thrown, I think, 122 the game before. So it's interesting. This is not really an analytics takeout. I think they just took him out because I think they kind of felt he was 
at the end of where he could go with it. Because a lot of times if you're striking out guys, which he is, I mean, because Snell will do that. But if you're striking out people, you also are throwing a fair amount of pitches to do it. But he had a no-hitter. Now, it ended up San Diego won the game 3 nothing over Arizona. So they've already, you know, they've already been able to accomplish some stuff that, uh, uh, to be honest with you, have been able to accomplish some stuff that the Phillies couldn't do. They beat Arizona. What? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Um, but that, you know, that is... Um, When you when you look at that, you know every once in a while we'll look at something and say, "Geez, are you kidding me?" You know, you um, they took him out with a no hitter. That's one of those I, I don't complain about. I think they probably made the right decision because he went out and he was, you know, um, he probably had thrown enough pitches in the doggone game to um, so I, I completely get why they took him out. But he had a no-hitter. Seven innings, no-hit. Reliever came in, gave up some. I mean, a hit that was uh, not exactly a scorching line drive. And because of, you know, and that's how they lost the no-hitter. But that's, hey, that happens. Football, of course, tomorrow night, we've got Ohio State-Minnesota tomorrow night. Most of the Big Ten is playing one another. Rutgers, I think, is playing Temple to open the season. But Penn State, of course, at Wisconsin. You got Ohio State and Minnesota. Eventually, you've got Indiana and Iowa playing one another. Interesting games in the opening weekend. I know it's what the Big Ten wanted to create. I don't think it's the smartest scheduling. It doesn't matter. I mean, you just play where they tell you to play. And uh, the Mets have had another bad hand. Uh, Zach Scott, the GM, the Mets are investigating a DUI against him. It just has, I mean, the summer of the Mets has not been the, it's been an average summer of the Mets. How about that? And, of course, Matt does not like the Mets. Thus, when things are going poorly for the Yankees, which right now they are, he relishes in other people's misery. Oh, I'm just laughing at him right now. Yeah, but you relish in other people's misery. It's the way it goes. <laughs> it I, I would have been laughing at the Mets regardless, like everybody it, else. It deflects from your misery. I mean, because your team's not playing well. Ain't great. Not in the last four games, no. They aren't playing well? No. Negatory. But he eight games back? For the division, Tampa, yeah. T- Tampa Bay can't lose, man. No. Jeez, unreal. Yeah, they're beating up on your team right now, which actually has benefited the Yankees also in a way because – Oh, no, the Red Sox, a- they haven't been competitive with this team. Yeah. And so the Yankees really aren't losing any ground in the wild card standings from the Red Sox perspective, although the A's are one game back. It'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see if Sale pitches well tonight against them and what it does. So, 
I mean, he's three and zero since he came back. You know, he's been five innings. I think they tried to get him to six the last time out. But yeah, your team not doing well. And not only that, I mean, you're not really. I mean, you know, once the once the A's got your number, they took you apart. Angels not that good. Take you apart. Take, wow. Schedules in your favor. Still can't win. Wow. When are you going to throw the $36 million man? When does he pitch next? He actually is on the mound tonight. Is he really? Wow. They don't win this game. You're sunk. All right. We'll come back with more in a moment. $36 bucks. Well, that's a lot of money. How much per start is that? It's over a million dollars to start because they didn't think you're going to start 36 games. It's over a million dollars to start. Now you start breaking into innings. Ooh. Really expensive. You wonder why those box seats behind home plate cost two point eight million. We'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> Great to have you with us today on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. F O U L E D. That spells foul. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Hey, great to have you with us on the show today. Tomorrow's our high school roundtable. We'll have that for you tomorrow at 335, previewing Sealands Grove, Lewisburg, and Chickalemi as they all look to break through in week number two on the schedule. One of the more, uh, I think, underappreciated moments that's going on right now that um, hasn't happened, that hasn't happened in a long time, is that the U.S. Open Tennis Championship, where Novak Djokovic is going after the Grand Slam. The last time a man won a Grand Slam, all four major tennis tournaments, Australia, French, Wimbledon, and the U.S. Open in the same calendar year was Rod Laver in 1969. You're talking about 52 years. I believe 1988, Steffi Graf won the uh, Women's Grand Slam. But it isn't being talked a lot about. You know, it's talked about who's not there. Roger Federer's not there. Rafa Nadal's not there. But Djokovic is going after the Grand Slam in men's tennis, and it hasn't happened in 52 years. Nobody's talking about it at all. I mean, no stories anywhere about it. I realize there are other things going on right now with NFL cut down and things like that, but it shows you a couple of areas. Number one, it does show you that um, how far tennis has fallen 
on the hierarchy, and it also um, tells you how much football dominates the cycle. Completely dominates the cycle. Uh, I believe what Bucknell's going to play Penn at some point. Yep, that's the home opener on the 18th of September. Yeah, according to what I'm reading here, it sounds like uh, Penn and all Ivy League schools are going to require COVID-19 vaccines and some mask mandates for football teams. Oh. All eight Ivies are requiring their football teams to be vaccinated for COVID-19, just like the rest of the students on campus. They they said there be very limited medical or religious exceptions. I mean, they haven't played obviously in in a, in what nineteen months. Uh, finally, women's soccer started with Harvard playing Fairfield. But that is the story. the uh, The Ivy League players, including Penn. We'll have to be all um, vaccinated to play. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf online. Sunburymotors.com, Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Interesting story today. Asante Samuel, everyone's going to have their own opinion. And Asante Samuel, for five years, played with the New England Patriots. So there's always going to be this Brady Belichick dynamic that, you know, for example, uh, you know, who meant more, Brady or Belichick or whatever. So, of course, yesterday Cam Newton was released by the Patriots. They're going to go with Mac Jones, quarterback. Asante Samuel appeared um, to say that, look, he said Bill Belichick is just another coach without Tom Brady. Um, And... He said, Samuel said, cold-blooded is an understatement. But without Brady, he's just another coach, in my opinion. This is after Lewis Riddick had tweeted, Bill does what Bill does, right or wrong. The man is cold-blooded, will do what he thinks he has to do, period. Hashtag Patriots. Samuel, cold-blooded is an understatement. Without Brady, he's just another coach, in my opinion. Samuel played for New England and Belichick for five years. So he went on first take on ESPN and said it is what it is. He hasn't shown that he's a great coach to me because he had the greatest player of all time. He added in my head, this is a competition between Tom Brady and Belichick. Tom Brady has already shown that he can win wherever he goes through adversity, through a pandemic, getting kicked off fields, barely having any practice. 
I didn't expect him to win the Super Bowl, and he won the Super Bowl. And what I'm saying is anyone can coach time and win a Super Bowl. Now, Belichick will have to show in my eyes, in order to be great, in my opinion, that you can win without Brady. Now, of course, Belichick was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants when they won two Super Bowls in 86 and 90. So it's not like he has not won someplace else and been a part of an organization of one without Tom Brady, because he has. But, of course, what he had with the Giants is he had Lawrence Taylor. So this goes back to the combination of great players and great coaches make a great combination. And great players will tell you that they want to be coached. Brady wants to be coached. Peyton Manning wanted to be coached. They'll tell you that. And you notice, if you listen to them carefully, they talk about what coaches have meant to them. And it's a combination of the two. Look. And, you know, you can be a great player and not win. Ernie Banks never went to the postseason in his baseball career. Ernie Banks was a great player. Fabulous shortstop, first baseman, hit, what, 512 home runs in his career. The whole deal never got to the postseason. Playoff format was a bit different. He was only the uh, National League champion went. But, uh, but that, you know, so you can be a great player if you're not surrounded by other great players. Okay, It's a combination of everything that happens. It's not as simple as he's a great coach. Great coaches will tell you they're made by great players. Remember I was talking the other day about the Mike Yursich tree as to how he does things with Penn State. He starts out players, formations, then plays. Players, formations, plays. You're not going to sit there and square peg it and round hole, this is my system, this is what we do. Yeah, but I'm not capable of doing that. Or I'm not good enough to do that, but I'm good enough to do this. It's up to whomever's coaching to figure out what you do well, what you do best, and then make it work. And that's what comes into play. Head coach has got to be the manager of it. They've got to be managing situations, personnel, what they want to do, how they want to do it. And look, Belichick's not perfect. You know, fourth down against Indianapolis, big game, went for it at midfield, didn't get it. I mean, that happens. Now, people also forget that Brady against the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game threw three interceptions. I'm talking about this is last January. He threw three interceptions in that game. Everyone forgets that. They always talk about what the Packers were doing on fourth down or the touchdown pass to, uh, what, Scotty Moore at the end of the first half. Brady threw three picks in that game, too. It was not perfect. And that happens. Coaches will make bad calls. Players will make bad plays. Brady is a great player. Absolutely great player. And you win with great players. But great players can also be poorly coached. You can also overcoach players. You can undercoach players, 
and you can overcoach players. And look, when and when you you know talk about, for example, the great job that Belichick did as a defensive coordinator. Well, okay, he did a great job as a coordinator because he had Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Harry Carson, Gary Reasons, Leonard Marshall. I mean, he had some he had some tools to work with. You can. Uh, I always go back. I, did I tell a story about Joe yesterday on this show? I might have. Or a couple days ago. Or Joe and I were doing the talk show one night, and there was a couple plays up on the whiteboard because we used to do the show in the um, in the coaches' conference room. I was telling you, I don't think I don't think I, I talked about this. Play was up on the whiteboard. Now, yeah, so I'm doing the show, and I glance up, I see it, whatever it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Show's over, and now we're getting ready to leave, and Joe goes over to the place. Says, you know, he's Steve. He says, you know what? See this play right here? He said, you want to know what the key to the success of this play happens to be? And I said, sure, I'd love to know that. He says, I want to know the name assigned to the O, and I want to know the name assigned to the X. Then I'll tell you how successful the play can be. It's amazing how we try to make sports really, really complicated because we're on 24 hours a day talking about it, so you've got to be able to fill 24 hours so you overcomplicate things. It's not that complicated. You get a lot of plays, and, you know, and you'll run a lot of plays during the course of a game, football, basketball, hockey, right? But sometimes it is as easy as, guess what? See number five for Penn State? He's way better than number one for Wisconsin. Okay? I mean, that's... Sometimes it's that easy. And if you overcomplicate it, then you got a problem. They would say, oh, such a sophisticated offense, whatever. Yeah, and you hear these words thrown around all the time about how sophisticated something is and whatever. Most of the stuff is simple. And it's just about the ability of A's ability to be B or B's ability to beat A. I've got the greatest play in the world, and guess what? The defender's way better than my guy. Whoops. That's a big problem. And that's what it comes down to. Brady's a great player. It made the it made the Patriots champions, but Bill also had, did a great job of handling the great player. In other words, coaching him, you know, selecting the right people to coach him, whether it was Bill O'Brien or Josh McDaniels, whomever it may be, Charlie Weiss, right? Um, Charlie Weiss has made a lot of money because of Charlie uh, because of Tom Brady because everywhere else he went. I mean, of all the people you look at and say, is he a great coach? Well, Charlie Weiss had Brady. He was a great coach. What about other places? No. Uh, (laughs) But um, so this Belichick-Brady debate, it's just so illogical to me. I mean, it's it's talk show fodder, no getting around it. Um, But he's not a great coach. Yeah, you know what? The guy, the guy's been a part of what eight Super Bowl championships in his career. 
Well, I think he might be a little bit better than average. And Brady's won seven Super Bowls as a quarterback, so he might be a little bit better than average, too, and the combination of the two of them together is great. But the coaches will tell you, great players make make great plays. Great, you know, What's that name assigned to the X? What's the name assigned to the O? That tells you what's going to work and what's not going to work. And, and the smart coaches all know that. Let's get to college. Why are the recruiting battles so intense to get players? Because they're trying to get ex- they're trying to get the Jimmys and Joes to fill in that board on their X's and O's. Like the success of a broadcast. You put Doug Birdsong in there. You're golden. No matter who you pair with them. And believe me, we've tried. <laughs> oh, the suit does great. Don't worry about it. Back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Summary Motors. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. You probably have read that a couple of Wisconsin freshman running backs have been dismissed from the team. To be honest with you, they were going to be totally irrelevant for this game. They are nowhere to be found uh, on their depth chart to begin with. Uh, I'm talking like we knew going into camp they weren't going to play, and we knew during camp they weren't going to play that Malusi, the transfer from Clemson, Jalen Berger, and Guarendo were going to be the three guys. There was a freshman running back that they brought in, uh, Allen, that I know they feel down the road is going to be really good for them, but he's not the two, one of the two freshmen uh, dismissed. The two freshman running backs they dismissed were non-factors in this game coming in. So... I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't make a big deal out of something that is nothing, because for this game it's nothing. Uh, they, you know, I got a chart on it that has. I'm trying to think. How many running backs do I have in my chart? Seven running backs. I got five running backs, two fullbacks for Wisconsin on there. And those two guys were not among the seven names going in. And I know nothing's nothing's changed. I mean, I didn't have to change anything on my chart for Wisconsin. Except, you know, I flipped Malusi to one and Berger to two, whoop-de-doo. I mean, like I said, when you're doing this job, you just look out and go, okay, eight's in there, so it's Berger. All right, six is in there, so it's Malusi. Uh, you don't get it. I'll tell you where a depth chart helps me out. It just makes the process of, of putting the names down easier. I can rack up a video and watch take a notepad and go, okay, offensive line, 76, 78, 72, you know. Okay, great. Let's go through. Anybody else play later on? Okay, he's on special teams. He might play. Okay. You know, I look at the stat sheet. Okay. You know, all these receivers played. Got it. Let's see who who lined up first. Bang, bang, bang. You can do a tape and do that. It's just the process takes a little bit longer to do it when there's no depth chart, but 
no big deal, you know, otherwise, other than that, no big deal. You end up, you know, just announcing what's in front of you. And I'll give you an example. I've got a depth chart. So they list ones, twos, and threes. Well, in 2014, you know, James' first year, Penn State doesn't have a lot of options on the offensive line, but they have a depth chart. Ones, twos, and threes. Well, Donovan Smith, who's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was the starting left tackle. And for the Ohio State game, he got hurt. So did Penn State then take the number two offensive tackle and make him number one? No. They took Angelo Mangiro, the starting center, and they flipped him to left tackle, and they started Wendy Loren at center. Because when they looked at their roster, those are the five best offensive linemen they had to play. So that's what they did. And that's, you know, so... Like, okay, so in a depth chart, he's the second-string left tackle. Well, the second-string left tackle didn't ascend in play. So, again, it's, it's you just look out there and say, okay, who's out there? And there you go. You go from there. Uh, New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, and Golden State Warriors players will be required to be vaccinated based on rules in New York City and San Francisco. They'll be required to be vaccinated because those two cities have passed vaccination requirements for indoor activities, including professional sports arenas. The vaccination mandate, though, does not apply to visiting teams, but any unvaccinated player on any of the three teams will not be allowed to play in home games unless they have an approved medical or religious exemption. Significant move by the three NBA, uh, three NBA teams. In other cities with NBA, with NBA teams, if they pass similar mandates, then it's possible that more players could be required to get vaccinated if they aren't already. Michelle Roberts, who's the head of the Players Association, said that 90% of the league's players are vaccinated. If that is the case then let's face it, the mandate's not a big deal. But evidently it's a big deal for MLB Network because Al Leiter and John Smoltz evidently are not, and they're not allowed in the studio. Interesting times because we started this off talking about the Ivy League and when Penn plays at uh, Bucknell... Game's at Bucknell, right? It's the home opener. Matt's confused. No, that's uh, correct. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm asking. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know the Bucknell schedule. I know the Penn State yes. schedule. I've got, I've got to live it. In fact, uh, they have Cornell the week after. Or two okay. weeks after, I should say. Okay. So, but the bottom line is that Penn should have a team that's fully vaccinated when they come in because that's going to be the Ivy League rule. Okay. Everybody has, you know, their own rules, regulations. People can follow it, not follow it, whatever it may be. I mean, we did quarterback club today. Quarterback club 
the request from the football program is that they wanted only people that were vaccinated in the room. Now, it was done on the honor system. But... Now, also, too, I should mention this, that Bucknell also has a vaccination requirement for students. Well, if they do, then the football players are... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, they had to be State they had to be required to be vaccinated before their arrival on campus. Penn State does not. Penn State does not, but they did have people get tested. The number of positives were less than one percent of those tested before they came on, you know, before they entered their dorms or apartments, or whatever. Uh, I know there's been an uptick in um, patients at the Mountain Indy Medical Center with COVID. But evidently, that's related more to the Grange Fair, not to Penn State's student body. I'm not supposed to mention that because Matt doesn't like when I mention news. <laughs> Gets angry. It's my job. You shouldn't know more than me. All right. Flood warning for the area. I guess not till 10.30 tonight, something like that. Yikes. Tomorrow's going to be bright, sunny, and gorgeous in 72. And the first coaches show of the season is tomorrow night from 6.05 to 7. James Franklin will be on the show. Matt asked me, who's going to be on the show? I texted back, James? <laughs> I wasn't sure if anybody else was coming on. Oh, we'll have somebody else on. He's not going to get there until after practice. He won't get there until 630. But they haven't told me yet who the other people are. That's usually a process that sometimes when I walk in, I find out. <laughs>